Hello, I'm Dr. B, and you're listening to Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? Today, I'm having a conversation with a dear friend of mine, Devin Whitaker. She is a realtor, an intuitive energy healer, and a sound healing and meditation mindfulness practitioner. We've been friends for probably nearly 20 years, and I had attended one of her anniversaries for her sobriety years ago. And I thought she would be um, somebody that would have a lot to share with you about her path and her, um, you know, her whole, the whole process of being sober and how she came to that and, you know, how she maintains it and just how that could be helpful to you listening right now. So welcome, Devin. darling. (laughs) Yeah. So, so tell me about your story and how you, I guess, came to that decision. And I know we talked about this, that it's not completely like a decision because as you described, it is a disease, but it's just like how you choose to coexist with it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have been sober since March 31st, 2002. And, um, I, I will say for me, um, and I think this could be true for anyone that like whenever you are, even if it is something that you are trying to, to break a habit, you have moments, um, before you come to that, you know, decision where you're viewing yourself, you're looking at yourself and you're seeing the behavior or the impacts of your behavior or what have you. And, and kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> I would say like, oh, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like at first, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. bad um, until it becomes bad, <laughs> you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and that's how it was for me. It, it started off as drinking to escape, honestly, drinking to escape. Um, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with who I was, you know, and, um, and I would have equated it to, you know, moving around to being, you know, one of the only, you know, African-Americans in a, a mostly white school, what, whatever, all these different circumstances. Um, and so when I found drinking and drugging, it was like, oh, like, <laughs> like, I don't have to think about me anymore. Like, I'm just, I can relax finally, you know, and that's how I kind of wanted to feel sober, you know, mm-hmm. was to feel relaxed, be confident and, and whatever else. And so it progressed. And this is what I mean. I saw moments where it was actually really not <laughs> helping me in my life. You know what I mean? Like it was hindering. I was starting to only drink with people who drank like me, you know, hang mm-hmm. with people only hang like me, um, because then you don't have to look at yourself as much. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just became a moment where um, you're looking around and you know something's not right. Mm-hmm. You just know something's not right. Like this is not how life is really meant to be, you know. And um, <clears throat> and for me, I probably pushed that down more often than not, and it just became unescapable for me. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people when they're looking at different habits or anything, anything that they want to shift about themselves. Something doesn't feel right inside, you know. And, and you can it's in your gut, and you can try to get away from it, but it still comes back up. And that's what it was for me, my drinking and drugging. It was like, I just feel like my life is meant for something more than this. Um, And and I've got to see, you know, I've got to at least see um, if if I can do this, um, 
in a sober way. And that's what led me to go into a rehab, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and at least see <laughs> if I could really live successfully without that crux, you know? Yeah. So what you're talking about, it sounds like. I feel like that was like the longest answer ever. I don't know if that. Even no, was- that was awesome. <laughs> Your intuition, really. You know what I talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, with people and on the show is your intuition and how important that is. Yeah. Sometimes cognitively something may or may not make sense, but in your gut it does. And so like in those moments, like you're saying you, you were drinking or drugging, but you were like, I know something's not right. Yeah. Like I'm wondering where or how that happens that, that intuitive voice overpowers the desire to numb. Yeah. I think that <clears throat> if we had that answer, so many more people would be sober today. You know what I mean? Honestly, like one thing I will say is that that makes me different than another person. When I think about alcoholism, it is a disease. And when I start to drink, I cannot control how much I drink. Like it just, I cannot control. Uh-huh. And then when I'm not drinking, I have a mental obsession about like, when am I going to drink next? That is what distinguishes me from any other human being. So um, whenever I'm on someone's looking at evaluating their drinking, and if it's an issue for them, think about that. Think about when you pick up, do and you say, I'm only going to have one drink or two drinks, but you end up having 15. Mm -hmm. Or (laughs) or (laughs) you say that I'm only going to have... or you just wonder like how you got to this space um, or you're thinking about when you're going to have your next drink, you most likely have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, you know, and that's uh-huh. a, and so that is something that for me, I could not stop on my own. I had to get help through recovery, you know, mm-hmm. and through finding a spiritual program, um, which has been the basis of, of my living and me being able to not pick up or use like one day at a time for 18 years now. Yeah. But so going where- back to your point, mm-hmm. intuition is there. We all have it. Like we all have it. Yeah. It's whether or not we trust it and we listen to it. Yeah. You know? So that thought that you said, okay, um, I, I would, it couldn't just have one. And then when I wasn't, I was thinking about when I could again, does that get better or does it change? Does it go away? How does that work for you? I think the first thing um, it does, you know, and, and, and I think that's with like anything, you know, anything that like my sobriety is a practice mm-hmm. every day, you know, like, and every day in life, we all have different practices, you know, and meditation for me is a practice it is something that I commit to do every day, you know? And so with sobriety, um, it's the same thing. It was first admitting that I had a problem, you know, no more denial about, you know, how much I drank or didn't drink or how much it was or was or wasn't affecting my life. Because for a long time, denial was there. It was like, oh, it's not that bad, you know? Um, yeah. I only drink as much as so-and-so or, oh, I'm still working, you know what I mean? So it's not... I'm not completely, you know, ass out like a lot of other people I see. So like all of that comparing. So that has to be smashed. Like you have to get honest with yourself rigorously. Like, yo, this is a problem. You know, this is a problem. And from there you can build anything. And I think that's with with anything, like whether it's food, whether it's smoking, whatever it is saying, yes, 
this has been an issue for me. And from here, you can build upon that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Was there anything that like when you said, okay, I'm, this is it, I'm done. I'm going to be honest. The denial is gone. Was there anything else that you would say helped push you or catapult you into that direction? Yeah, I would say that I had to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like it's sometimes I just was like, how many times am I going to say to myself, I'm not going to um, behave in this manner any longer, or I'm not going to drink tonight? And I ended up drinking and causing what, what, whether it was harm or whatever for myself or, mm -hmm. or for someone else, it, it, it's really, it really came to a point where I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know? And yeah. so I've got to, if you want something different, my dad always told me you got to do something differently, you know? And so me doing something differently was going to rehab and at least seeing what, what could they offer me? <laughs> right. Because me shopping yeah. on my own wasn't working. It just mm -hmm. wasn't. So it also is like a sense of like curiosity too. You're like, can I, I think I can do this, but I have to do something differently. And then I think um, what you said that's awesome is that sobriety is a practice. Yeah. Because I think of that sometimes with generally with health, right? Like when you try like what I lost the 50 pounds from the babies is like, yeah. okay, oh, I did it it's done. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh, it's not done. <laughs> it's like always there. Like every single day, it's still there. <laughs> so you think like you're done, but you're, I guess you're just never really done. It's just not really it's a just practice a commitment. You know, it's like maybe it shifts, you know, or something, but yeah, everything's a practice, even us being good people, right? You know, we're like not like not responding like negatively about certain things. It's like we practice those things, you know, and then they become more for me, they become more inherent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have to give like I was thinking you also have to give yourself praise when like we have this I've heard before halt, like hungry, angry, lonely or tired. So when you're where you're any of those four things, like really be extra like special to yourself. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Give yourself extra grace because you're not even like, you know, and you're, I won't say proper homeostasis, but like, you're, you're, you know, there's something that's a little bit off. Um, so it's like, just be kind. I think that's what's missing for a lot of folks that I see in, in, in something I practice myself is being gentle, you mm -hmm. know, being really gentle with ourselves. Even if we know something is, you know, we would like to shift something, you know, in our life or something is not as healthy or whatever else, still being kind to ourselves, you know, and saying, okay, all right, this is something that I'm going to work towards here, you know, like one moment at a time here. And if I don't miss, I don't make it today, it's okay. You know what I mean? Not like beating ourselves with a stick, like get up back on that horse. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, like, cause I, I think about it all the time when I talk to different people, it's like, when has beating yourself with a stick really made the difference? Do you know what I mean? Never. <laughs> that never <laughs> You just feel bad about it. So it's like, just be kind, be gentle, and, and begin again. That's what I was thinking about um, when we talked about what we really wanted to have the intention be, is like, we just get to begin again, you know, like, with anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. And that, so that's like the, the grace and forgiveness part, I think is huge because 
I think that might be one component that makes it difficult for people to change their patterns is that beating themselves up, you yeah. know, that like difficult because you're like, okay, well, I'm going to start new. I'm going to begin again. But then if you've got this like self-critic beating you up in your head all day long, then it's hard to begin again. So I, it sounds like part of the practice is giving yourself grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It is. And loving ourselves like through it because the mind and this is what I learned too, is um, meditation has been a big, big thing for me, meditation and um, just spending time with nature. And so for the 10 day retreat that I did this year, um, we were silent. We had noble silence for 10 days uh-huh. and we meditated and you got to really observe the mind. So the mind has the critic constantly, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, you know, as a psychologist, you know, it's just like, that, so that critic is just going to be there. You know what I mean? So it's like, you almost just have to be like, hey there, critic. Okay, let's <laughs> have a have a seat. You know what I mean? Like have, a, have several seats. Let, let me remind myself, you know, that I'm doing the best that I can in this moment today. But my critic is always going to have something to say. Like always, like always. Yes. It's just like saying, just acknowledging that the critic is there and then coming back in with that compassion like for ourselves, be like, that's it, you know? And we have to do that. For me, I have to do that all the time, you know, because my critic, please, my critic was off the hook yesterday. You know what I mean? I do this, you got to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, like, relax. You know what I mean? It will get done. Things will get done. You know what I mean? Like they will. So grace, I think forgiveness and self-compassion would just do it feels good, number one, to give it to ourselves. And then mm-hmm. when we give it to ourselves, we're able to really give that for, to other people, you know? And so I find that when I am being like less critical of myself, I'm going to let you off the hook, you know, much more easily, you know? Right. <laughs> so, right. That's true. And that's a practice. <laughs> yeah. That's a practice every day. Yes. Not people not getting on my nerves, <laughs> you know, in general. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's like what you're really describing is the definition of mindfulness, right? Because Mm -hmm. you notice there's a self-critic there. And I think sometimes people try to get rid of the self-critic. They're like, no, 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 I got to get rid of that voice. Or no, I haven't healed because that voice is still there. But the fact is that it's there. Mm -hmm. And so then you just have to mindfully, non-judgmentally observe the voice. And then say, okay, I see you. I hear you. Thank you. Now, you know, now I'm going to keep going. Right. And just don't engage the voice. Yeah. Or it's like I sometimes I have discovery with the voice where I'm like, okay, so this keeps coming up. What do I need? Like, what, what, what is it that I need in this moment? You know, like, is it do I need to like, do I need to do something? Do I just need to go exercise for a little bit? Like, just to like calm it down? Like, what is it? that this voice is trying. And sometimes I might write, you know, like I might just really quickly write, okay, I'm scared about this. This is why I'm scared, blah, 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 blah. And I'll acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is what, what this is. And then I let it go. And when the mind comes back, because the mind will always come back, like it's, it has nothing to do with you. And I think that's the biggest thing as human beings we can learn is that with mindfulness, your mind has a mind of its own and it will go through the same track every day. 
<laughs> it'll switch up a little bit. You might get a remix of something else, but like, and it's all past based usually or in the future. So if you could just say to that, you know, that voice, okay, what do I need from this? Or what do I need to learn from this? And then you write it down or whatever else, and then you let it go and then you move on to something else. And then when it comes up, you again, lovingly move on to something else. Don't, tr- don't try to resist it because it's just there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm making sense. It's like, oh, totally. like the observer is that's, that's the thing about mindfulness is that you become, you get to, you become aware of your mind mm-hmm. and you get to watch it. You know, like you get to watch it and see yourself, see your like old habits and your fears and everything just like pop up. And then you learn to lovingly just observe it and you get to choose whether or not you're going to act out on it. You know what I mean? And that's what meditation does. And you get a choice there because last yesterday I acted out. I acted out for a good 30 minutes and I was like, <laughs> had enough now. <laughs> you know? This is enough. And let's come back, you know what I mean, to love and compassion, because that's what feels better to me today than resentment and anger. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But again, that's a practice, you know, and I don't know if human beings give themselves that grace to do it, you know, and to explore that. Yeah, you're talking a lot how um, we've talked about the internal family systems, that whole approach in therapy is that if something keeps popping up for you, it's a part and that part is trying to get your attention and get a need met, right? Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. So yeah. there, so so on the one hand, okay, we observe the voice and we don't disengage in it. I mean, we don't engage it, the critic especially, but at the same time, maybe that voice has some important information for you to sit with and say, Okay, I see you, I hear you. Why are you here right now? What do I need? What like burden are you carrying? Yeah. I love trying, that. I love right. That. To meet for me. And so maybe it is that there's an unexpressed need. Yeah. Or maybe there's an unexpressed emotion you have to tell someone, or maybe you need, like you said, exercise, or you need to just sit quietly and stop running. Whatever it is, that voice is very informative and it's not necessarily um, like a negative, like get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to it. Mm -hmm. It's, it takes something though to do that because it's like you, it feels like it's a part of you, you know, which in some ways, It is, you know, and so what I've I've heard this phrase, I don't know where it's like what you resist persists. So like you said, you know, when when it comes up, um, I used to try to push it away or I would pray it away. I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want to feel angry. So please, like, stop me from being angry. You know what I mean? Instead of just saying, OK, well, what what is this? Why am I angry? Yes. You know, like, what what is this speaking to? And so now it's like the discovery um, what can the shadow teach me about myself, you know, instead of mm-hmm. um, trying to get away from it, you know, what exactly what you're pointing to, what burden here, like what, what do I need to explore here and what do I need to love up on here? You know what I mean? Like that's the other part of it is like, this must need some love. This must need some compassion if it keeps coming up in full force, you know? So, yeah, it must need some attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had said to me once, if you spot it, you got it. Yeah. Just like that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, when you first hear that, you're like, hmm. I know. And they're like, yeah, I think that's true, actually. <laughs> I feel like I just the other night, I was thinking like, someone, one of my um, 
you know, mentors said that to me that like every wonderful thing that you love about someone is something that you already have within you. And, and, and conversely, <laughs> like everything that might irritate you about someone also is something that, that you have. And so, because the whole thing is, is like, if something's irritating you, then why is it irritating you? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what, what what is it within you that it's irritating? And you get to look at yourself. Don't try to put it off on other people. That's what we always try to do. It's oh like, my God, yes. You know, we got to take the responsibility for us. I'm not saying that people aren't irritating, but think about it. Like, when I'm in a calm state of mind and I'm not rushing to an appointment, no one on the road is really getting on my nerves. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just as free and whatever else now. If I'm rushing, everyone is an issue. Do you yes. know what I mean? So Everyone's all- in my way. Yes. Why are you in my way? person driving so slowly? Like, what the hell? <laughs> so it's like, but again, the only person that changed in that situation was me. So we always get to look back inward, you know? Um, mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing I would say is that this life here and, and, and recovery has taught me to always come back to me. Like, what is my part in this? And what is this awakening in me, right? What is bothering me about this? Whatever it is, um, I get to look inside first, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then see if I need to create a boundary or whatever it is, you know, but I'm grateful for that. That's what recovery has really given me is, um, yeah, um, the inquiry. Yeah. And the opportunity, it sounds like, the a different perspective is like an opportunity for so much growth yeah. to take place. And that growth couldn't have taken place without all of those things. You know, yeah. it's just like yesterday when we were taught, we were talking to each other about, you know, our self-critic about our, you know, our lines yeah. in our forties. <laughs> right. and, and we're like, Oh God, what's happening. And then you said every line, every crease, every is like from my life experience. And that's <laughs> true too. It's like, you know, to find that gratitude for all of those life experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it comes back to gratitude. And um, there's typically, there's always something to be grateful for, you know, and, and I come back to that every day as a practice um, because, you know, ego likes to come in there and have issues with everything and yes. judgment. And, um, and then we get to come back to gratitude. You know, we get to choose to come back to what are certain things that I can and how can I be of service to someone else? I think that's the biggest thing, too, is like, how can I help make someone else's day brighter today? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you do that, then you really feel the interconnectedness of all. And then you really get that when you're helping someone, you are helping yourself. Mm -hmm. And then when you're hurting someone, you're actually hurting yourself. Mm. And so then it's just like becomes that we don't even have to think about um, sin or karma or anything. It's like just understanding that we are actually yeah. all interconnected. So, um, so the other thing I was thinking about when you're talking about, um, you know, the, that it's a practice every day is uh, neural pathways. And that mm-hmm. is right. Because I think of that in terms of changing behaviors a lot. Yeah. yeah. And that if, for those of you, that, if, for you listening that, 
don't know what that is. It's just like the more you you repeat a behavior, the deeper that groove gets in your brain. And then that becomes the path of least resistance. It's just a lot easier to continue that behavior. And then when you create a new behavior, you have to create a new pathway in your brain. It's just like walking in the forest and it's, you know, wild shrubbery and you can't get through. But the more you do it, the deeper that groove gets. And I had read somewhere that that's one of the reasons why rehab programs are 21 days, because it takes 21 days to create a new neural pathway. I've heard that. Yeah. You know, um, but then, you know, that neural path, the other neural pathway is still there. Oh, and, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, so what happens is that if you are walking in this new path, there's this pull to go to the other one, but the, the research shows that the other one starts to grow over too. Once you don't walk on that for a while. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why the longer you, uh, they say that the longer that you have this new behavior, um, you know, consistently going that the less likely it is, you'll go to that old behavior because that pathway has kind of like gotten dusty and grown over a bit. And so what you're describing where in the beginning, it's like, oh my God, when am I going to be able to drink again? That slowly, I think when you start walking, you've been walking this path for 18 years, that voice may not be as loud. And now this new pathway has become your new norm, that new norm of like self-love and self-compassion and self-reflection and, and all of that has become the norm. And so then if you were to think that other thought that there comes a point, I think for people, and I'm wondering if it's like, it's for you, where that other path starts to feel foreign to you, not then, you know, it doesn't feel the same. I would say, um, yes, I can't imagine drinking and drugging today. However, I also know that it is just one drink away. And so Mm -hmm. for me, even though it doesn't matter how long I've been sober, I personally still have to be vigilant about doing the things that help me get sober in the first place, you know? And so if I let up on any of those things, that other path that is not as, that is foreign for me will become very, um, will come back over quickly, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so I, um, cause the way that it was explained to me uh, with alcoholism is that my disease is always waiting for me. It mm. progresses. It still progresses, even though I'm not drinking, because there's people who have gone back out with 20 or 30 years. And within a couple of days, they're right. They're further along than when they got sober in the first place. Mm. Like they're worse. So I just have a healthy fear of that. So I practice. I do my best to practice the same thing, which is for me, prayer, you know, meditating, journaling. Um, and going to different recovery meetings, you know? And so if I let up on any of that, the other stuff, um, it could come back. Like those thoughts of drinking could come back for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where you're saying that practice is, it's that sobriety is a practice. Absolutely. A daily practice. Daily practice. Yeah. A daily commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there anything to close off that you would offer someone that's sitting in is like, nah, I don't know. I don't think I have, maybe I have a problem. I'm not sure. You know, it's just kind yeah. of on the fence. 
listening to this. <laughs> I would. I, I would say that typically people who don't have a problem with alcohol or drugs don't think about whether or not they have a problem with alcohol or drugs. <laughs> it's not something that comes up. So if you are thinking it, then there may be some inquiry, you know, some discovery that you may want to do, you know, which could be going to any meetings or any 12 stuff. And, and maybe you'll discover that you don't and you just had an unhealthy phase. Possibly, you know, that happens. Um, but if you are a real alcoholic like me, you know, you know, pretty much. And there, and there might be some denial, but um, I would say give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance. Um, there, there is freedom. There is freedom, you know, yeah. and there's a pathway to recovery and it can be just absolutely amazing. So just give yourself a chance, really. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was yeah. like beautiful. And um, thank you for listening. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah.